the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. Tonight we talk about the health benefits of the bio diet. Dr. David G. Harper joins us once again as well as guest Dale Drury. We also chat cholesterol and hear from Dr. John Weisler, cardiologist at Lionsgate Hospital in North Vancouver, British Columbia. Dr. Weisler sticks around to dissect the hearts of and chat about the heart health of some big-name American politicians. You may have heard of the Joe Bidens, the Bernie Sanders, and the Donald Trumps of the world. What could explain their perceived stumbles at the podium and in interviews? The Sunday Night Health Show podcast starts now. If you're just tuning in, um, you know, we are just so stressed. <laughs> we women. <laughs> uh, it is International Women's Day. There are there's just so many statistics around um, how many women are turned away from shelters every single day in this country. Um, violence is on the rise. Um, there are more and more narcissistic personality disorder type of people um, around than we realize, and this can cause a tremendous amount of stress. And so I, first I want to say, uh, joining me on the line is Adriana Check. Hello, Adriana. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. First, uh, before anything, I want to just thank you so much. You've um, donated a, a prize for a deserving woman. I am sure there are a million deserving women out there. Um, from Medispa La Bella, located smack in the heart of Steveson Village, which is in uh, Richmond, British Columbia. Is that Yes, yes, that's correct. Okay, um, and so you've donated this head-to-toe massage for a deserving woman. So um, if there's somebody in your life that you feel would benefit from this, uh, please email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com, or if you want to give us a call, one 399 We'll take the sixth caller. Um, so Adriana, I'm sure you see lots of people at Medispa La Bella, that um, are suffering with stress, um, and you offer lots of treatments to help people. Tell me about some of those treatments. Yes, so that's a very good question. We actually do get quite a lot of our customers, well, I like to say family members, that come in to Labella with a lot of stress problems, whether it being it affects the nerves or just overall health and well-being. Um, the services that we offer is actually a very unique kind of massage. So it's infrared light and radio frequency that has kind of like a vacuum-like suction rolling movement to it. So this actually helps stimulate the tissues and allowing me to go in with my hands and do a manual manipulation massage like the traditional Swedish massage, Thai massage, those kind of things. And this treatment is wonderful for just overall promoting of health and well-being, whether it's mental and like you were saying, stress is a big contributing factor in today's life and everybody's, you know, day-to-day life, whether it's homework, family, etc. So this is a wonderful treatment that will help promote the healthy healing 
And so many women today are multitasking. They're working inside and outside of the home. Many are facing financial issues. Many are stuck in relationships where they would be better off if they were able to leave. And I'm going to talk about um, the dangers of leaving it and, and why we should never ask the question, um, why don't, doesn't she just leave him uh, a little bit later on in the program? Um, but this stress, um, many people couldn't necessarily, if, you know, there's lots of things we can do to de-stress, which is taking a hike, getting out in nature, cutting out on alcohol. And, you know, um, a, but, you know, a lot of people might not think, I'm going to go have a massage. I'm going to do something for myself. I'm going to take me time and and they might look at that as as decadent, but I actually look at it as deserving. Yes, I could not agree with you more. It is actually quite deserving. And whether we all want to admit it or not, it's extremely important for self-care for everyone to take care of themselves. And like you were saying, there are lots of other things like the hiking or going for a walk or whatever it might be. But a massage is a wonderful, wonderful way to really promote that de-stress situation that we all need at the end of the day. And I recently had uh, a couple of massages, <laughs> and they were amazing, um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, and it, it's something that I think, um, you know, we, we do so much, there's so many women do so much for so many people in their lives. And there's a lot of people-pleasing women out there, or there's a lot of women that think if, I, if they're in an abusive relationship, they might think, if I just have him, if I just do this, if I just do that, if I just turn left, if I, you know, hadn't said that, he may not have gotten upset and what they don't realize is that they're getting into that trauma bond and they can actually feel physically unwell as well as emotionally unwell even if a man never lays a hand on, on a woman and I realize that there are some men out there who are emotionally abused by women and physically abused the numbers are a lot less and I can appreciate that so guys go get a massage at Medispa La Bella um, but this is something I think that we uh, I don't want women to forget about um, taking time for themselves especially if they're busy Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And like you were saying, with the mental, it's not just physical abuse. There is also mental abuse, like you were saying. And both of those are extremely taxing on the body, mind, soul, spirit, the whole nine yards. And you do need to take care of your stress. I honestly can't stress that enough. You have to take care of yourself, especially in those situations. It's tough, like you said, to get out and it's tough to cope with it on a day-to-day basis and when you're juggling you know work and juggling that relationship and juggling everything else you can't forget about yourself because otherwise you're just going to end up bedridden and sick and then that's not going to help anyone except other than yourself either it's not going to help you it's not going to help healing and we all need to really take care of ourselves at the end of the day. And, and you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else, especially exactly. children, which is, I often say on a plane, they tell you to put the oxygen on yourself first. But we forget that. And I just want to thank you so much for your extremely generous gift of a head-to-toe massage. Um, and so I'm going to be talking about that through the uh, throughout the show. Adriana, thank you so much of Medispa La Bella in uh, Steveston Village in Richmond, British Columbia. Appreciate you joining me on the program. Thank you so much. And I'll let you know me. who the lucky lady winner is. 
Wonderful. Look forward to it. All right. Take care. Okay. Uh, so if you have a deserving woman, feel free to email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. Share me a little bit of her, share with me a little bit of her story. Keep confidence, of course, and I will keep her confidence as well. Uh, coming up next, I am, uh, this week, I'm pleased with myself on the bio diet. Uh, so stay with me and I will update you. I am Maureen McGrath and this is the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I want to start out with an email um, that I got from Gail. Thanks so much, Gail. Hello, Maureen. Just tuned into your show. And seriously, keto is so overhyped. Seems everyone is looking for a quick fix without giving up any bad habits. You really cannot go wrong with a plant-based diet a la Dr. John McDougall, Dr. Michael Greger, Dr. Joel Furman, etc. I find it very disappointing to hear you promoting anything Keto regards Gail. Thanks, Gail. You know, I, I maybe just by the fact that I've tried this, you might be thinking that I'm promoting it, but I'm actually not promoting it. I'm not really, I'm not gaining anything. In fact, I'm losing. <laughs> I've lost the, the added weight that I gained over Christmas. Um, so, you know, and to be honest with you, this is the scientifically proven ketogenic way to lose weight and improve your health based on research done by David G. Harper, PhD, who has been a guest in the studio over the last several weeks. And so this is his work. And I decided to try it, test it out. Uh, I, I typically test out everything in, that, that gets sent to me, and I get lots of things sent to me. And I believe me, I try them all out, and I usually have a smile on my face after I do. Uh, so I'm trying this out, uh, and you know what? I, I've done plant-based before. I've done them all, uh, but there, and I am largely plant-based because I'm not a meat fan. I'm not even really a chicken fan. Um, I like certain amounts of fish, but, you know, I, I mean, I can't say, I mean, it's mostly plants that I eat. And that was what I wanted to talk about with Dr. G. Harper and his partner in this crime, Dale Drury, uh, co-author on the book, The Bio Diet. Uh, so thanks both of you for joining me here in the studio. Thanks, Maureen. You know, I learn something new about you every week. And, and this week I learned that you can sing. Oh, yeah. Right. No. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yes, you can. Um, thank you. Maybe I should take up another career. You know, this is completely digressing, but um, I remember hearing Rosie O'Donnell say that she basically made her career because she knew the words to every song. And I'm like, I know the words to every song. There you go. <laughs> I can't sing, um, but I know the words to every song, and I never made it. Anyway, um, well, what do you think of that email, uh, Dr. Harper? I, I, you know, it, uh, it's, it, it's an interesting email, and thank you for sending it in, too, because it, it allows us to address uh, a couple of misconceptions about ketogenic diets. One, that it, it isn't a quick fix. You know, you're committing for 12 weeks, and the whole idea of a ketogenic diet is a complete lifestyle change that's permanent. So it's not a short-term uh, calorie-restricted diet. It's not a fad diet. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, there's also this notion that, that, that ketogenic diets are like carnivore diets. They're just you eat meat all the time, you eat animals. All, so it brings in that whole sort of animal rights and, and sustainability and right. so on, whereas you, you, can, be, you can be vegan and, and have a ketogenic diet. Ketogenic diets are about high-fat, low-carbohydrate so it can still be plant-based if you want to. And if that's your choice, then that's, uh, that can be done. It's a little more challenging to be vegan. You can certainly do it if you're vegetarian, though. I, I've certainly not... I don't think I've had any steak at all since this time. I did have um, veal. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure that was on Valentine's Day. Anyway, it just sounded so good. Um, But other than that, I've I've not had um, a lot of meat. I've given up a lot of bad habits. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sweets are my downfall. I drink, you know, I try and drink eight. I I did that anyway. I do drink a lot of water because I have a history of a kidney stone. So I typically do that, but I make sure I do that. Um, You know, I go for walks after my meal now. That was something I may have. I may have just sat and thrown on Netflix before, yep. whereas now it's I'm... It's the Italian you know, uh, passaggetta. Uh, exactly, right? yeah. exactly. And uh, so I, I have made um, some changes, certainly, um, and given up some bad habits yep. like grazing or, you know, I get... Eating late at night, maybe. Eating um, after dinner was another one. We get lots of chocolates um, Mm -hmm. given to us in the clinical practices where I work, and so no more. Um, That that kind of mindless eating, because we talk about the importance of mindfulness when you're eating, too, to plan your food and your meals. And and, uh, I think you've done great, you know, and we're about uh, eight or ten weeks into it now. And how are you feeling overall? I feel great. Yeah, yeah I, I feel fine. I have to admit, I didn't feel bad before. You know, like yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm typically one who does exercise and I sleep fine. And, you know, so I knock on wood. I didn't, you know, I, I haven't, yeah, I feel, I feel good. I feel very good. And it does seem, you know, with the COVID-19, a little frivolous to be talking about diets here. But let's remember, even though COVID-19, people might perceive it as a clear and present danger. If you're in good health, you're very, very, very unlikely to die of COVID-19. The, you know, the people that are dying are tend to be older. They have cardiometabolic disease, as you mentioned, you know, immune issues and so on. So the question is, you know, how do you get into good health to prevent yourself from contracting COVID-19? Or if you do contract it, having a mild case, and that's to keep yourself in optimal health. But what we also know is most people die prematurely of chronic disease, which Mm -hmm. is cancer, cardiovascular disease, which you want to talk about tonight a little bit, diabetes, Alzheimer's, and so on. And that's really what you should be thinking about. And uh, as I mentioned before, you know, there's a study from Lancet 2016 to show that that the most important lifestyle factor in terms of chronic disease, the global burden of chronic disease, is diet. It's more important than all the others put together. And so really, you know, we shouldn't be worrying about buying excess toilet paper. We should be worrying about what's on the end of that fork. Absolutely. And, you know, I get, I I hear from lots of people, lots of patients about lots of different diseases that they are encountering and they'll say, what should I do? You know, is there some cream I can put on this pain or is there, you know, and, you know, I will recommend, okay, maybe I am promoting, I'm recommending changing their diet. And I still have a a high protein, low carb diet that I advised for men. I kind of devised it myself. um, And I would, I found that it worked in my clinical practice for men who had erectile dysfunction. They had large abdominal girth. um, They were sedentary. So it was part of an overall, and people still will email me and ask me for the all in diet. You know, if you want to go all in, you got to go all in. And so that's why I named it that. But you know, it's, it's not necessarily that I'm promoting one in particular. I'm just promoting healthy lifestyle eating um, right. and exercise and low alcohol consumption and also um, sleep. But the plant-based diet is fantastic. I mean, there's yeah, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I recommend that all the time. I'm interested in helping people's health, yes. you know, and, and I wouldn't be doing this. As a, you know, I do work a, uh, as a researcher and, and as a visiting scientist at the Cancer Research Center. We are looking at the therapeutic benefits. We've talked about diabetes and, and uh, cancer. Um, and this week, and let's we bring Dale, in Dale yeah, Drury. She, and I, and we're I going want to talk to, about cardiovascular disease. I, Dale I, doesn't have that, but she did have a valve replacement about seven years ago. Seven years ago. Seven years ago. Yeah. And so, so she's an interesting case too. Right. And I do want to just throw this in there because I often say to patients who have high cholesterol levels, I'll say, 
you know, have you tried a plant-based diet? Because so, so different strokes for different folks. But Dale, thank you so much for joining. You're very welcome. Us here in the yeah. studio and Dr. John Weiser is going to be uh, joining us in the next segment, uh, a cardiologist. And uh, so uh, to talk about the issues that you've had. So give us a little bit of a background on your medical history. Well, David and I have been on the ketogenic diet for about seven years now. But it's the bio eight, diet. Eight years. It's yeah, the bio, the bio diet. diet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which is the bio slightly diet. different yeah. than the ketogenic. It's, it's a, a variety, ketogenic, of, it's a variety of, of it. Yeah. 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 So we've been on the ketogenic diet or the bio diet for about eight years. And about seven years ago, I had a valve replacement. I had open heart surgery, a valve replacement. And over the time, over the last decade, I have, like many people of a certain age, women of a certain age, watched my cholesterol levels rise. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're now at the point where uh, Dr. Weisler, um, who you'll talk to later, is going to advise statins, I'm pretty sure, based on my numbers. Um, and so if you look at sort of LDL and, you know, the, the suggested LDL is 190 milligrams per deciliter or lower, and mine is 254 deciliters, okay. um, milligrams per deciliter. So uh, the question is, should I be on statins? And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan. And so mm-hmm. I've gone about, uh, with David, have gone about doing a couple of different things, which includes a, a calcium score, um, which found little or no um, uh, atherosclerosis, and also a particle size. And, you know, Dr. Weisler can address both of those. But I guess it's really... I found uh, the ketogenic diet and, and the bio diet to be very, very helpful for me uh, in terms of reduced um, pain uh, in my joints. I have more energy. My skin is better. My hair is better. I think better. Uh, and so if what we're looking at is a single number that's out of whack, which is my, my LDLs, um, I, I have to argue that you know, there's all these other positive things uh, that I've experienced that uh, uh, that I, I may not be prepared to give up the ketogenic diet in the interests of lowering that one number. May I ask you, has your um, LDL cholesterol risen over the eight years that you've been on the bio diet? It has. Well, it, it, it was fairly high. Um, it was, it was uh, what did they call it? Uh, uh, borderline high, I mm-hmm. think, uh, was about 136 um, milligrams per deciliter, and they sort of say 130 is is kind of the the place to be. But it's was that before you started the diet? That was before I started okay. the diet. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So it's you know, and there as much as there is. Um, uh, really an understanding that there is little or no relationship between the cholesterol that we eat and the cholesterol in our blood, uh, there seems to be um, amongst people on ketogenic diets a higher uh, mm-hmm. level of uh, LDL. And, I mean, I, I have to say my HDLs are, are sort of through the roof, right? So Those are the, those are the good cholesterol. Those right, are the good right. cholesterol, yeah. yeah, yeah. A, I, I heard it described as the LDL is the one that runs around the house making a mess, mm-hmm. and the and the HDL is the one that comes behind it picking everything up. I know that person. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, so we're going to get Dr. Weisler on the line. Yeah, Next, absolutely. we're going to go to break and then get Dr. Weisler on the line and have him weigh on this because I've certainly heard of this issue in uh, many Many people that are on ketogenic diets, regardless of the variety. I am Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I am in the studio with David G. Harper and Dale Drury, co-authors of BioDiet, the scientifically proven ketogenic way to lose weight and improve your health. And on the line is Dr. John Weisler because we're talking about some lab results. So Dr. Weisler, cardiologist to the stars, as I like to say, how are you? (laughs) Uh, I'm great, Marine. How are you guys doing? Great, thank you. Thanks for joining in. So I, I did, with Dale's permission, send you the lab results, just in the interest of time. Um, yes, th- thank you. I saw those. Not at all. This issue of um, cholesterol is such a big issue for uh, people on ketogenic diets, as well as postmenopausal women as well, and some controversy around whether there's some cardioprotection of that. Anyway, here to make sense of all of this is uh, Dr. John Weisler. Can you help us out on this elevated, if you were listening, and, and you, you've already reviewed them, um, if you can tell us what your thoughts are on the LDL. Yeah, so... Um I don't like uh, cholesterol, you know, as a, as a cardiologist. Um, after smoking, it's the, you know, most important risk factor predicting your future risk of heart disease, I suppose, along with along with age. So um, I guess, uh, Dale, if it's okay, I was going to briefly mention your labs for the benefit of the audience. Absolutely. I, I, well, I feel like I'm a star now if you're, if you're a star. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely, Dale, you're a star. So, um, so. So Dale sent me a nice summary of her lab work going back to 2011, which I think is around the time we first met. Um, at the time, the uh, Dale's LDL cholesterol was 3.5, um, which is um, a little bit high, but not bad, um, sort of average for the population. Over time, um, it's increased steadily, and it started to increase, particularly there's a jump from 2016 to 2018, which is the next blood test it went from. up to 4.9. And then the most recent value measured in January this year, January 2020, LDL cholesterol was 5.6. So, I mean, that's obviously a concerning change where the LDL has increased. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the the latest one in January 2020 was 6.59. So it's quite high. 6.5 as well. So, I mean, that obvious, I mean, I, I don't know, Dale, if you want to introduce the particle score idea, if you want me to introduce it, or if you want me to just give a summary, Marine. Sure. That's okay. Sure. Yeah, that, okay. That'd be great. If you can just jump in here, yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, this obviously, I don't like this. I mean, uh, the the cholesterol has increased substantially. And my own approach, I have a lot of patients that are interested in, in keto diets because they seem to be very effective or helpful at, you know, weight loss. Um, I worry about the short-term consequences. Not everybody's uh, cholesterol becomes abnormal or increases substantially. Sometimes they do. And then how important is cholesterol? So, um, Dale, actually, I'm a little bit more easygoing than you might give me credit for with you because you went on and did a calcium score on your heart. And we saw that your arteries are pretty clean. You did that cardiac CT for us, and your arteries are clean. So, while I still think the cholesterol, we have to look at your long-term risk, and I think the LDL cholesterol being so high, you know, predicts a, a higher risk in the future. I think the short term, for your next five to ten years, your risk remains relatively low. So I'm actually not that, you know, I, I would favor statins, but not as strongly as you as you might think. Um, other things in your favor, uh, you do have a high HDL, as some women do, which is modestly protective. I think the adverse effects of the LDL, um, you know, outweigh the um, the benefit of the HDL that's been been well shown, um, but I, I think also you know if you wanted to modify your diet further, you, you have a, a bit of time. You know, um, for most people, diet is something like 30% of your total cholesterol level. 
But then I think um, for, for some of my patients on keto, it seems to be a bigger component because it often increases quite substantially when patients go on keto. Um, I would favor an LDL closer to where you were back when I first met you, around 3.52. Um, thinking of, I think your short-term risk with your cardiac CT being normal, um, you know, uh, your short-term risk is low, but I think long-term wanting you to live a long time into the future, I think it's still going to be significantly uh, elevated. And to what extent is triglycerides important at this stage? Um, they're they're so very tri- low. Yeah, your triglycerides still look pretty low. So for me, that's again, that's that's reassuring. I think triglycerides are interesting. We kind of got used to ignoring them uh, for a while in cardiology, and then there's more recent evidence that again, really high triglycerides can. Um, you know, can increase your risk. Uh, yours are low, so I, I think for you, again, that's relatively reassuring. Mm-hmm. And so would you recommend statins at this stage of the game, Dr. Weisler? So qualified, yes. I think um, best thing is always, um, you know, diet and lifestyle are, sec- are, are step one. So I think um, if there are any refinements, I mean, you know, I know a little bit about the keto and the bio diet. I've had a chance to do a bit of reading uh, on, the, on this weekend. Um, if you do have opportunities to adjust that through diet, I would do that first. And, and um, what adjustment me, would she, she's pretty much plant-based. What do you suggest? Yeah. I don't, there's not much left. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. We need to go into more detail than I could give. We'd need probably like a, a nutritionist or in, in our case, we have, you know, Dr. Harper also on the line, you know, who, I don't know what suggestions he could have. We need to go more detailed than I could do because to me, the plant-based diet looks pretty good. Um, I would have a low threshold for starting statins, mostly because, you know, I, I'm pretty confident in the, the safety of statins. Um, um, I would use though. I would start with if, if we did start one. I would I wouldn't be pushy about it. I'd start with a low dose and see see where we could go. Mm-hmm. I think statins are a very effective um, long term risk avoidance uh, maneuver, um, and the safety is very good. So I don't have a I don't have a big problem with starting them. Right. Although if your preference was to work on your diet a little bit longer, I'd be open to that too. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to start on the statins. You said that earlier. Well, I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm I I guess when the rest of the numbers are all so good. Um, I, I wonder about, you know, the, the value of this, this one number. Yeah. Okay, well, something uh, we can look into further. Dr. Weisler, thanks for weighing in on that. You're going to stay on the line with us, and after the news, yeah. we're going to talk about the heart disease of our famous folks down in the U.S., the presidential candidates. Dale, uh, David G. Harper and Dale Drury, thank you both so much for joining in and sharing your story, especially, Dale. I think that helped a lot of people and You're very welcome. clarified a lot of things. And uh, stay tuned on that. We'll have you back and decide on these statins. Uh, so, as I said, when we come back in the next hour, we're going to be talking about Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. I am Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show. you got questions? She's got answers. The nurse is in for Nurse Talk. Well, not just me. Fortunately, I have Dr. John Weisler on the line. He's a cardiologist, and he's going to provide a lot of answers. But first, I just want to remind you that Medispa Labella has given me a head-to-toe massage to give away to a deserving woman. Are you a deserving woman? You can assess that yourself. Let me know. Do you feel like you could benefit from a head-to-toe massage out in Steveston Village, British Columbia? (laughs) I don't really know where that is. Anyway, (laughs) um, you can benefit from that. So give us a call, 1-877-399-9898, or email me if you prefer, in confidence, if there's somebody that you'd like to give this to, email me and just let me know why. Just the you know high level, you don't have to give me any particulars, I don't want um, her any confidences to be broken. 
especially if uh, a woman that you know has been going through a challenging time of late. Today is International Women's Day, let me remind you. Uh, Dr. John Weisler on the line, thank you. How are you? Hi, Mary. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Um, but it looks like a couple of guys down south aren't so well, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. So in terms of... Uh, Bernie, and we're talking about their heart disease in particular. Uh, so it, it would appear that Bernie um, suffered a heart attack in, in the fall and, um, and had some stents. Can you uh, give the listeners a, a little education on what that all means? Yeah, he did. So um, he, he was in hospital for, I think, a couple of days um, and had to interrupt his campaign. Uh, he recovered actually pretty quickly, um, but he went into hospital with chest pain and his campaign later confirmed that he'd had what they described as a mild heart attack. Um, so in, in a heart attack, the arteries that supply blood to our heart muscle get blocked. They get blocked with cholesterol plaque, which we're afraid of. Um, and that was the cholesterol discussion before the break. And then on top of that, little clots form that can suddenly narrow the arteries down. So one moment you're feeling well, the next you don't get enough blood to your heart, and you get chest pain and you get symptoms. And so... Um, uh, Bernie was treated with the usual medications. Uh, his campaign listed some of them, and statins and aspirin and clopidogrel, which is an additional blood thinner. And then he had two stents implanted in his LAD artery. So the LAD is the artery down the front of the heart, and it supplies a large amount of heart muscle. So when you get that artery blocked, the muscle can get damaged. So uh, a bad name in medicine that we have for it is, is called a, that type of blockage is called a widowmaker blockage because it can cause a dangerous or life-threatening heart attack. Um, apparently, and you know, the only source I have is the campaign news, but apparently the damage to his heart muscle was very mild. Um, probably he was treated promptly and the muscle was saved. And so he recovered well. He did a stress test later. Um, a few weeks after the heart attack and showed good fitness, uh, but it could have been very serious, and he fortunately, you know, was treated promptly and uh, and did well. And so he's in his seventies, uh, late seventies, I believe, yeah. seventy-eight. And, um, and you know, he's running for president. So I mean, I don't think there's any more stressful of a job besides mine. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yours and then being the president, yeah. and then yours, and then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I'll be next. <laughs> uh, but it's a pretty stressful job. Why aren't we worried that we're potentially electing a, uh, a man who has a history of a heart attack uh, at 78 into the highest office in the land? Yeah, I, I think we should be concerned. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, and, and the flip side, of course, you can live very well with heart disease and you can live an active life. And that's all true. And that's always the goal is to get people back to doing everything they want to do, which I guess includes being president. But all three of the the people that are sort of in, in the race now, so uh, Donald Trump, uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders all have health issues and cardiovascular issues that could be of concern. So for, for Bernie Sanders, um, you know, it's, it's, it's worth realizing that when you have a heart attack, you're heavily predisposed to having more heart attacks. Right. And, you know, that, that's why we send people out of hospital with a collection of medications, but those medications are, you know, they, they are quite effective at reducing this recurrence risk, but you do have to be careful and look after yourself. And he did go back to campaigning pretty fast, right? Mm -hmm. He's very active, long days, poor sleep and poor diet, right? And, and not a lot of chance to exercise beyond, you know, walking up and down, uh, up, up and down the stage. So, that's you know, right. One in five people within the first year of having a heart attack, one out of five will need to go back to hospital again. Sometimes it's just chest pain. They're not sure and they don't want another one. They have to get checked out and they're okay. Sometimes it's more serious. But the, the recurrence rates are 
are significant. Um, Donald Trump. Amaz, before a we go on to before we go on to Donald, he's a case in and of itself. Um, but uh, <laughs> no doubt, um, stents. What is the failure rate of stents? So it's it's gotten better with um, you know stents have been refined. Um, you know I think they're on the fourth generation now of stents, and most of them now are drug eluting stents, which means they have medication in them to keep the stent from. Um, you know, clogging up again with with plaque. But um, I I think um, there is a small but real risk. Um, In the first year, I'd I'd quote like the order of a few percent, three percent, five percent, that the stent plugs up again with plaque. And then there's a low but real risk that the stent sometimes can clot up as well. Uh, So clots can form on top of it. That's why you take, when you get a stent, you can get put on aspirin and another blood thinner, and it's to prevent that. So the risk is small. It's I don't know, maybe 1% or something, but it's low. But So the risk of the stent you know, clogging up in the first year is maybe 3 to 4%, and then there's a very small but real ongoing risk after that. Right. Thank you. And um, what about Joe Biden? Let's go on to him before Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, so, so Joe Biden, um, he is on a statin. I, I wasn't able to find what his cholesterol is. And he, there's mention that he hasn't had a heart attack. I, he's 77, right. I think. Yes. Um, but he, he is he does have treated cholesterol. He also has, uh, he mentioned that he has atrial fibrillation and he's on a blood thinner. So atrial fibrillation is a different problem. Uh, it puts you at risk for stroke. Hmm. Um, now, taking the blood thinner reliably makes that risk quite modest. It's, it's effective at reducing most of the risk of stroke from atrial fibrillation, um, but there's still some. And, you know, if it's not treated well, you can get symptoms of your heart fluttering and chest pains, which presumably as doctors have sorted out with him because he's, you know, he's able to campaign. Um, but that's, that, those are, those are his, health, his health issues. And even though he hasn't had a heart attack and his risk probably isn't as high as Bernie Sanders, um, there is still, um, you know, just by virtue of his age, right. the fact that he had cholesterol needing statin therapy, you know, he's probably got a, the next, in the next 10 years, he's got a risk of a heart attack of somewhere between 15 and 20, 25%, somewhere in that range. Let me ask you, um, his, a lot of people feel that uh, maybe there's a bit of cognitive decline there. Um, he does have a history of stuttering. Um, he has been a gaffer for his, his most of his political career. Um, is his atrial fibrillation, could that be tied somewhat to uh, what we're seeing there on the campaign trail where he is forgetting half of the sentence? Um, you know, whereas the, there, with atrial fib or AFib, there's a higher risk of stroke. It, are there blood flow issues to the brain that we might be, that he may be manifesting um, on CNN and Fox yeah. News? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, so. Yes, yeah, CNN would probably give you a different answer from Fox News. They too, would, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think um, I think that's a tough one. I think um, I could answer it in sort of two levels. The first is not obviously that many people with atrial fibrillation, um, you know, uh, do very well, don't have strokes, don't have cognitive impairment, and and do well. So it, it doesn't have to be the case. And you know, Joe Biden does have a very long history of doing like gaps and things like that and speaking poorly. The more sophisticated answer, I think, is that, um, you know, there is this idea that, um, you know, well, obviously you'd find if he'd had a big stroke, like you'd have symptoms and you'd know. Um, There is this idea in atrial fib that you may have a small but real risk of like smaller blood clots, Mm -hmm. so not a big stroke, but 
small little clots that can plug up the small arteries to your brain um, that can over time contribute to cognitive impairment. This is not convincingly proven, so I don't want your listeners to panic if they have atrial fibrillation, and you know most patients don't show this, but there is this idea that this can happen, so we're actually trying to take part of a trial that follows patients' cognitive function through our through our office for, for this reason. So that idea is there, although it's not considered proven or standard of, of care yet. And then the other thing to remember too, uh, Maureen, is that the risk factors that cause atrial fibrillation, like high blood pressure, and I don't know if his blood pressure is high, I wasn't able to find that, but um, it's common for a lot of people with atrial fibrillation, they have blood pressure issues. Um, the high blood pressure can also cause slow but steady cognitive decline in people as well. So I don't think I can answer if that's affecting Joe Biden specifically, but there are a couple ways it might be. Or it could just be him. I couldn't. I couldn't answer. It's but the light bulb may have just turned on for me. Fatigue is also a symptom. Is a pretty classic uh, hallmark symptom of atrial fib. Correct. It can be. Yes. And absolutely. so when you're tired, you're not thinking as quickly and as clearly and as proficiently yep. as so. That's, that's that's fair. That could that could be true because when you have atrial fibrillation, your heart loses about you know twenty percent. Of its uh, of its cardiac output, so uh, so some people seem to do just fine, but some people will notice things like fatigue and yeah, yeah have a hard time keeping managing complex topics, perhaps. Exactly. All right. So I, I've managed to keep you off of Donald Trump until okay. the next <laughs> segment. Um, so we're going to go to break right now, and then we're going to assess the big guy in the White House. I am Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. There's still time if you want to give us a call, one 9898 If you feel you deserve a head-to-toe massage from La from Medispa La Bella out in Steveston, British Columbia, uh, feel free, one 9898 Or if you know somebody, or feel free to email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. Joining me on the line is Dr. John Weisler. We are dissecting the hearts of the presidential candidates. Um, if you're just joining us now, we're on to Donald Trump. So, uh, Dr. Weisler, thank you, thank you so much for staying on the line with me. Uh, thanks for having me, Marine. All right, so, so, my pleasure. So a year ago, Donald Trump was deemed in good health. Um, you know, with a BMI of um, at yeah, thirty, he because he weighs yep. two hundred and forty three pounds, he's considered obese. He's on statins. He has had high cholesterol. His abdominal girth is about the size of Michigan. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's rather large, wouldn't you say? Uh, uh, yes, yes, he, yes, he is. I, I saw know. him swing I, a I club the other day, <laughs> and it yes. wasn't pretty. Um, and so, uh, do he's the president, okay? And you know, we talked about Joe Biden's gaffes. I mean, you know, oftentimes Joe Biden can't finish a sentence, but nor can Donald Trump unless he's saying, you know, I'm amazing. So he finishes that mm-hmm. sentence. He has a different he has a different way of speaking, but yes, he has the same behavior for sure. Yes, and so um, what what is uh, Donald Trump's heart disease issue? So he has um, he has preclinical disease. So he has, um, I mean, I mean, he he is he does he is obese, and he has you know the visceral obesity where he has fat around his abdomen that is particularly atherogenic. Um, he, he is on a statin, which is good. Um, he also, he did a coronary calcium score, um, so uh, a CT scan of your heart to look for plaque, and he does have some. His score was 133, which is an intermediate risk um, uh, score. So um, with his weight, with his um, coronary calcium, 
Um, you know, you can estimate he has about a 17 to 20 percent chance of developing heart disease over the next 10 years. Part of that's his age, and then the rest of that is his uh, bad cholesterol and his, and, his, and his weight. Right. So he's 77 years of age as well. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's 73, but he's... Oh, no, no, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know what I was thinking? Bernie's 78, Joe's 77, he's 73. Sorry, yeah. sorry. He's younger. He's, it's all yeah. good. he's in the same ballpark, yeah. Does that make him in the same ballpark, or does that make... I mean, does that, is that a significant difference in age, that five years? Um, not a, not a lot. I mean, his his risk is still pretty high, right? He's got a he's got a one in one in five chance that he'll have heart disease, you know, in the next in the next ten years, and uh, that increases steadily as he grows older. So, uh, his risk uh, his risk is you know maybe a little bit lower than Bernie Sanders, but it's you know still a, again a significant concern. And part of it's his age that he can't do anything about. Part of it is his weight and his cholesterol, which of course he can. And there's there's mention one of the releases from his health is it last year that they were planning to increase his statin medication to a higher dose to get his cholesterol down further. Right. And I saw that they did that. I read that they, that he, that they did that and it did in fact come down. Um, you know, the, he's the leader of the free world and, and um, you know, it's, I, I just feel like it's not great to, you know, that that's the example that you're setting for the yep. citizens of your country who don't have access to health care, as we do here in Canada, um, mm-hmm. you know, who have obesity rates that are through the roof. Uh, you know, is nobody it doesn't seem like people seem to notice this or seem to care or, um, you know, does it play a role in the health of uh, country's citizens? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's important to try to set a good example, and you know, losing weight, as you know, I'm sure many of your listeners could could relate, is is can be very challenging, you know, and and um, some people do get response through dietary interventions like keto, but it can be it can be hard to do. But he does have a couple things, like he he could be more of an advocate, perhaps for trying to live more healthily, and I think um, the glaring problem uh, with uh, Mr. Trump is health-wise, anyways, um, is, his, is probably his diet. You know, he's, he's well-known for eating fast food frequently and promoting fast food. And, uh, you know, there's all sorts of, like, stories about how the white stuff, White House kitchen try to sneak in, like, cauliflower and stuff to make his food a little bit more healthy. But I think there are some things he could do, even being busy being the president, that would help to encourage a healthy lifestyle. So uh, I think there is an opportunity for him, for sure, to, you know, help encourage a healthier nation. Which is, you know, obesity in the U.S. Uh, over a third of people are, are obese, and the rates are approaching fifty percent in many areas of the U.S. So there is, there is, there is room to improve for sure. And we're seeing diabetes type two on the rise in children. Um, mm. So we're seeing some really uh, surprising and scary uh, statistics mm. out there. Um, you're absolutely correct, but I think you can't force cauliflower uh, onto somebody's plate <laughs> if they're a Big Mac yeah. person. You know, everyone has to take it upon themselves. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, that's that's true. That's you, true. You know, it's really you can never motivate anybody else, uh, and I hear that a lot from you know, quote unquote leaders. You know, I want to motivate my crew and blah blah. Um, but you know, it's self motivation really. It's it's what drives each individual person to to live better, to eat healthier, to exercise. You just make a few changes. You know, in your lifetime can make um, or in your lifestyle can make big impact on your on the length of your life and the quality of your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, if if, uh, if uh, he was able to, you know, get his cholesterol really low, he could probably, you know, cut that, that 10-year risk by, you know, 
almost in half, 30 to 50 percent if he treated his cholesterol aggressively, which should be a combination of medications and, and, and diet. So, you know, and, and losing weight substantially will reduce his risk. He was able to lower his BMI, say, to 27, which is still overweight, but no longer obese. Uh-huh. That again would be, which of course is, you know, can be hard to do, but uh, but um, it would have a big impact in his in his future health. Risk. And anyone out there like you looking like Donald Trump, it would have a big impact on you. Thanks for the great advice, Dr. Levisler. As usual, we'll get you back again. Thanks, Maureen. Thanks for having me. You're very great. welcome. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. You can subscribe, rate, or review on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a question about your health, the nurse is always in. So email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com, and I just might answer your question anonymously, of course, on next week's show. For now, have a happy and healthy week.